The following program is pre-recorded. From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark here with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call is 800-462-7413. And along with your calls, we have some topics to talk about, Zorba. Right. Getting less than five hours of sleep a night might be linked to multiple diseases. I mean, how important is sleep? We're going to talk about that. And eating late at night increases hunger, decreases the calories burned, and changes your fat tissue. So you're staying up late at night, you're eating too much, then you're not getting enough sleep. There's something wrong with how you're taking care of your body. We're going to talk about both of those topics. And we have a yummy recipe? Of course. Broccoli cheddar chicken and rice casserole. I love broccoli. I love chicken. Do you like cheddar cheese? Oh, yeah. Oh, see? So, hey, this is a Tom Clark recipe. This recipe is designed for Tom Clark. You didn't ask me about broccoli. Well, (laughs) you and George George Bush, right? (laughs) 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 800-462-7413. 462-7413. Let's get to the phones now, Zorba. A listener is with us in Richland Center, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Well, as I was listening to you the other day, something clicked in my head, and I thought maybe Dr. Zorba has some advice to offer. <laughs> I hope so. Um, <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm in the process of moving from one state to another, Mm -hmm. and in doing so, I am going to have to drag all of my health issues with me, Mm -hmm. and that means I need to find not only a pretty decent primary care doctor, but a whole bunch of specialists. Got it. Um, So, like I said, I've been thinking about this a lot, about how I might approach this most easily. Yeah, it's a difficult problem. Right. Yeah. And plus... um, in addition, for me, I'm on Medicare, so mm-hmm. I have to keep that in mind uh, as I yeah. make this decision. Yeah. So where are you moving to? I take it you're leaving Wisconsin and going somewhere else. Other way around. Uh, oh, you're coming I, to Wisconsin. Right. They introduced me at being in Richland Center. And the fact of the matter is I'm actually on the road between my two places right now oh. and heading from the state that I was in. So what state were you in? Were you, were you coming from? I'm coming from Dayton, Ohio. Oh, Ohio. So you, you moved here for the weather? Is that why you moved to Wisconsin? <laughs> yes, I much prefer much longer winters and much hotter summers. You've got it. Well, this, by the no, way, I'm moving back home. Basically, this so. basically is not an uncommon problem. It is a common problem. So I've got some ways of approaching it. Sometimes it's it's not that easy. So first of all, um, in Wisconsin and in many other places in the country, we have an electronic medical record called Epic. So let's go back. When in Ohio, do you have any idea what electronic medical record you were on? Were you on Epic, or do you know? You know, I think Epic is at least one of them. I may be on another one as well. Okay, but Epic so certainly is so one of them. if you are on Epic, then or if you're on another one, let's make an assumption that you're on Epic. If you're on Epic, you want to choose a group that's also on Epic, and the reason is. You've got all your everything on there. You've got the labs. You've got the doctor's appointments. You have everything else. There's interoperability between various medical records, but it's not as good as intraoperability. In other words, Epic to Epic is like an, yeah, it's a slam dunk. They can just see all of the data. So I always say, number one, because I have a lot of patients who in the wintertime are going west. They're not coming to Wisconsin from Ohio. They're going from Ohio to like – Arizona or some other place like that. And I said, if you're going to pick a group, pick a group that has the the same EMR. It's going to be much easier for you. Okay, that's number one. Uh, the second thing is you've got to get a personal if, – if you're going and there's somebody in your town. So you've got relatives in Richland Center, right? Friends or relatives? In the area. Mm-hmm. In the area. Yeah. 
ask them where they're going. You usually get a good idea there because they have certain values. They're your friends. They're your relatives. They've got values that you have. They may have a good idea of where you can start. Okay, so that's that's another good thing. And then the third thing is you want to find out whether or not that group takes Medicare. Now, there's some groups that limit Medicare, and the reason is uh, many, many physicians that you can't get by in just Medicare alone. It actually doesn't pay enough. So you often have to pick a, a group that's a multi-specialty group that has a mix of Medicare and private insurance because Medicare doesn't pay all the bills. They're actually, they only pay a few of the bills. So there's, for instance, there are groups in town in Madison, uh, small family practice groups that do not take Medicare. They don't take new Medicare patients. They say if, you're, if you've gone on to Medicare and then or you're, you're younger and then you go on to Medicare, they'll keep you as a patient. Or if you're a first-degree relative, they'll take you on. But if not, they limit the amount of Medicare because they, they can't pay the bills. They can't turn on the lights. So number one, electronic medical record. I think that's an important issue. Same record. Number two, personal friend who will give you an idea. Hey, I've gone to this doc. I think that's really good. And then number three, you call them up and see if they take Medicare. It's the primary care doctor that you really want to be most interested in because that is the captain of the ship. That's extremely helpful. Some of that I had thought about, but I never, I did not know that about Epic at all. Right. So that is extremely helpful. Very, me. very good. Because all of a sudden, you don't have, you don't want to have your records transferred by paper. Because let me tell you, you get piles of paper, forget it. It's very difficult. But you've got multiple doctors that have seen you. They're in the same EMR electronic medical record as you're on. Hey, all of a sudden they can look back and see exactly what's going on. So good luck. You will find there are good doctors in that area in Richland Center, you should have no trouble at all. I sure do appreciate it, Dr. Zorba. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. We hope you love our state. That's right. That's right. Weather and all. Believe me, I already know that part. <laughs> okay. Thanks there for you the go. call. We really appreciate it. 800 800- Four six two seven four one three. You know, there's one other thing that that is interesting. So here it is: you you do all that stuff, electronic medical record. You know, choose somebody that says to do it. Then you see if they cover Medicare. What if you walk in and you don't like the person? You know, you walk in, and they look at the computer. You know, the electronic beast has to be controlled. They're not looking at you. They're looking at the computer. Change doctors. Change providers. In other words, you want to find somebody that you relate to that has the same values that you have. And believe me, you can do that. So sometimes people go, well, I already – I've got this doctor. I've got this nurse practitioner, but they don't listen to me. Okay, Change. It may take a few months to get into somebody else, but you've got to find somebody who's on the same page as you are or you won't get the best medical care you need. Got it. We have a topic, Zorba. Less than five hours sleep a night linked to higher risk of multiple diseases? Yeah, that's right. Interesting topic. So how many hours of sleep do you get a night now? Oh, I do about eight hours. Eight hours. How about when you were at the station as a commentator? I really don't remember. You don't remember. No. So I know when I was in training, certainly when I was in training, I got five to six hours of sleep. Okay, Carol, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? I am trying to do better, but yeah. getting a little older, so it's a little better. I would say maybe up to six now. Maybe up Ooh. to maybe up to six. Yeah. So in other words, you were getting less than six before. I would say yes. I, yeah. Getting less than. And Brad, how about you? You said just about eight. See, 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 Brad, you know, being the engineer, he's the eight-hour night sleeper. So he was getting – but Carl doing the production, he was only getting five hours. And they're friends, you see. But, you know, somebody, you know, is going to be more with it than the other one. The guy who's getting more sleep might be more hard, – hard to say. They're smiling. They're in the other place and they're laughing. You can't hear it, folks, but believe me, you can. Anyway, getting back to it. Five hours of sleep, six hours on a regular basis is not really good for your body. And this is an article published in Plus Medicine, which is uh, which actually is a very interesting, very important journal. They looked at 7,000 men and women aged 50, 60, and 70 from a British study called the White House, White House 2 study, a Whitehall 2 study. Now, this study is a long-term study in Great Britain, just like our Framingham Heart Study, where they can look at people over a course of 25 years, and they've got good medical records. They've got one insurance company. Guess what the name of it is? I have no idea. The government. 
<laughs> it's called the National Health Service, okay. the NHS. So they've got very good data on everybody. And they looked at people aged 50, 60, and 70 who on a consistent basis only got five hours or less of sleep. Not six or seven, five hours or less or sleep. And it was because of their jobs and other things. And they found that if that happened on a regular basis, that the, there was an increased risk over a 25 years of follow-up of chronic diseases such as heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. So in other words, people who consistently got less than five hours of sleep, not six, not seven, were more likely to have heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. So what does this mean? Mm. Well, what does it mean? It means that if you're going to the gym and if you're eating right, it's not should not be part of what you're doing in life. You should make sure that you get enough sleep at night because if you're not getting enough sleep at night, that is an important thing for you to do. So it means that you may have to try to take a nap during the day if you can't. If you've got things at home and you've got kids and you've got a job and then you're on the computer at night and you have a TV in the room, it means you may have to change things. So sleep hygiene is really important. And on our website, we're going to put a link that zorbapastor.org, zorbapastor.org. We'll put a link to a couple of uh, information sites like Mayo Clinic and some other places, which will explain good sleep hygiene because part of getting a good uh, night's sleep means not checking your computer just before you go to sleep because you may not get a good night's sleep because your brain will be busy doing other things. So think about that time before you go to sleep at night. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Okay. <laughs> I'll remember. 800-462-7413 is our number. 800-462-7413. And we have a voicemail now, Zorba, from Knoxville, Tennessee. Hi, I'm calling regards to the shortage of baby formula. I was talking to my mother, and she raised seven kids, never used it, and she didn't breastfeed. She used a carnation milk mixed with water and a little K-roll syrup. And I was wondering if there were women out there who knew this, and I thought maybe I should call Zorba Pastor. Thank you very much. Bye. You know, that is an old-fashioned, uh, that is the old-fashioned formula. And and when we had our four kids, if we ran out of formula in the house, we actually always had some carnation, carnation evaporated milk because our mothers used that. It was a can of carnation instant evapor- of evaporated milk, a can of water, and a tablespoonful of K-Row syrup. It turns out it's really not ideal. It's not the best thing to feed babies. I can't tell you exactly why. I looked it up. I can't remember a few, like about a year or two ago, I looked up the formula because I was just kind of curious. And then I was looking at all the input from pediatrician, lactation specialists and others. And they were always saying, no, 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 don't do it. And I was thinking it was something we used to do. So if you've got kids at home, it's important to have formula in a can, that powdered formula that's in a can and use that. And uh, and I think the carnation the carnation formula that really goes back to the time of the depression is which is roughly almost 100 years ago is just time not to use that again. And then think about it. K-Row syrup for your kids, you're setting that up for a lifetime of sweetness, which you don't want to have. <laughs> it does bring back memories, though. <laughs> 800-462-7413 is our number. Before we take a break, Zorba, we always love hearing from the grammar police. Always, 100% of the time. But here's a new one. This email came from a very secretive division of the grammar police, This one is from the Bible (laughs) Police. Bible. Interesting, interesting. Okay, Zorba, the following email is from DJ in northern Wisconsin who writes, Hi, Dr. Zorba and Tom. I love your show and listen as often as I can. I heard you mention the quote, Vanity of the vanities, all is vanity. Many people attribute this quote to Shakespeare. However, this quote is actually from King Solomon and can be found in the Bible in Ecclesiastes. Oh, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Good, you can do it. Try it. Try it. No, go for it, Tom. Ecclesiastes. I know. 
Many people attribute this quote to Shakespeare. However, this quote is actually from King Solomon and can be found in the Bible in Ecclesiastes 1-2. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for your very informative, interesting, and often funny program. You know, it's interesting. I do attribute that to there. And I bet you know something. I bet a lot of some of the quotes that we do, we either attribute to Shakespeare or the Bible, and then when they, once they become common, you sort of get them, I think of them in my same brain, but thank you for correcting that. And you know what? Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. So that is what I think of. But it's still true. Does Zorba need to freshen up his scriptural knowledge? <laughs> Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or by sending us an email at... And let me tell you, my scriptural knowledge is pretty minimal. Zorba at WPR.org. <laughs> more of your calls coming up, more of your emails, and we'll cook up a killer casserole recipe. All coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. The number to call if you have a question for Zorba, 1-800-462-7413. But before our next call, Zorba, broccoli, cheddar, chicken, and rice casserole. Now, now I noticed there are a few words you're kind of almost stumped then. The word broccoli, does that mean, as you said, broccoli, I didn't feel the warmth, the heart, the joy of having broccoli in there. Is that because Oh, I thought I faked it pretty well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did fake it very well. But if you like broccoli, you like cheese, you like chicken, you Mm. like this recipe. So, okay, start out with a tablespoonful of extra virgin olive oil. Big tea, extra virgin olive oil. Now, do you think that was a marketing ploy? Do you think it used to be like virgin olive oil and then somebody said, let's make extra virgin (laughs) olive oil because we'll get some extra money. I mean, there's some history involved. Now, I know extra virgin actually has meaning, especially in Italy, but I think it probably started out like, you know, I mean, virgin, hey, that's pretty good. Extra virgin, I mean, only in olive oil. We don't have extra virgin grapes. (laughs) <laughs> right? Extra virgin milk. I mean, other yeah. than olive oil, there's no extra virgin. Maybe in Italian it has a different meaning. Anyway, um, you're going to use some kosher salt and black pepper, of course. Kosher salt and black pepper? Now, when you cook, Tom, you always have a pepper grinder in, in the kitchen. Always. Right? Always. 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 <laughs> uh, a, a, a yellow onion chopped. Yellow onion chopped. By the way, I want to tell you, I want to tell everyone, this is a long recipe. So if you're in your car trying to remember it, pull over to the side and start to write it down on your paper or your laptop. Three carrots chopped. Recipe is getting longer all the time. Longer. uh, You're going to fall asleep by the end of this recipe. By the end of the ingredients, you will be asleep. Go ahead. Three carrots chopped. That's right. A pound of boneless chicken, boneless skinless chicken breast cut into cubes. A couple tablespoons of butter, salted butter. Two big tea, salted butter. If you notice, I, I have these the recipe kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. A cup and a half of basmati or jasmine rice. A half cup of dried orzo pasta. Half a cup dried orzo pasta. Now, that's on the test, Tom. You're going to have to pick out four kinds oh, of yeah, pasta. I, fl- I flunked And this you're going to have to pick orzo. Uh, t- we're only halfway through the ingredients yet. This, <laughs> the, we're going to finish the show. We're going to be done with the recipe by the time this show is over. It's going to take a half an hour to get through the recipe. So two tablespoonfuls of fresh thyme. 
Do big T for us time. Why is it pronounced time when it's T-H-Y-M-E? Have you ever thyme, thought about that? Thyme. Thyme. The Brits call it thyme. Uh, three and a half cups of low-sodium chicken broth. Three and a half cups, low-sodium chicken broth. And now, ba da da ba da da three cups of broccoli florets, roughly chopped. Three cups broccoli florets, roughly chopped. Your favorite. My uh, favorite. A couple of bay leaves. Two bay leaves. Half teaspoon of garlic powder and a half teaspoon of cayenne pepper. Half a little tea garlic powder, half a little tea cayenne pepper. Zest of a half of a lemon or a whole lemon if you like lemon. Zest of half or whole lemon. Half a cup of milk. Whole milk is best. You could use coconut milk too if you want. You know, you're immediate, you're already asleep, and we're not even done with making the recipe. And one and a half cups of shredded sharp cheddar cheese. This is the end. <laughs> one and a half cups shredded sharp cheddar, cheddar that's a, that's cheese. A, you can you can now go to sleep while I go through making the recipe, which actually is pretty easy. Preheat the oven to 425 degrees. Pretty easy. Now, heat olive oil in a large pot over medium heat. When the oil shimmers, which it gets warm enough, add the onion and carrot. Cook it for five minutes until fragrant. Stir in the chicken. Season with salt and pepper. Cook the chicken till it's seared about two or three minutes. Add butter, rice, orzo, and thyme. Cook until they're golden brown. Very important. Two to three minutes. You can go up to four or five, but that's actually a very important part of the recipe because you're coating that with oil, and that's important. Then add the broth. Bring it to boil. Then add the broccoli, bay leaves, garlic powder, cayenne, and a large pinch of salt and pepper. Bring it to a boil. Reduce the heat. Cook covered for 25 to 30 minutes until the rice is fully cooked. Once it's cooked, stir in the lemon zest. After it's cooked, the lemon zest, the milk, half cup of the cheese while it's nice and warm. Uh, and if if needed, you transfer that to an oven-safe casserole. If you've got a pot where you don't have to use an oven-safe casserole, keep it in the pot. It's one less, one less thing to cook. Scatter the remaining cheese over the top, transfer it to the oven, bake it for 20 minutes until it's melted, serve it warm, and add a little thyme to the top of it. And if you want to, some fresh basil. That's and been parsing. a wasted five minutes or so. Nobody, nobody's <laughs> no, going to make this recipe. I think it recipe. took more like seven or eight minutes. <laughs> well, you're not going to make the recipe. That I know for sure. <laughs> but then again, other than a five-ingredient recipe, I can't remember the last time you made any <laughs> recipe in the last 30 years. If you want to copy this recipe, come to ZorbaPastor.org. That's ZorbaPastor.org. And on that, you can see pictures of Tom, his happy face, my happy face. And don't forget, we're on Facebook. 1-800-462-7413 is our number. 800-462-7413. And Zorba, our next caller is a listener in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi. Hi, Dr. Zorba. Thank you so much for taking my call. Caught your radio show for the first time and was very impressed by it. I have a question oh, thank you. about... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, nice. you're, you're welcome. Yeah. I, have a, I have a question about neuropathy, nerve damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to a spinal cord injury, huh. I uh, have residual nerve damage in my right hand and numbness, you know, kind of starting from my waist, you know, slight numbness to my feet. The... Discomfort is constant, and sometimes the discomfort elevates to full-blown pain. I am on gabapentin, meloxicam, flexoril, and none of those things seem to be alleviating the situation. My question is, is this something I'm going to have to wrap my mind around and live with, or will it actually get better? I mean, that's a good question. Tell me about the injury. Uh, November 29th, 2009, mm-hmm. I fell off of my truck, oh. and I was 13 feet in the air, and oh. I fell backwards. <sighs> How so awful. How awful. I have, I have two plates and I think four pins in the upper part of my neck. I think he said between mm-hmm. T2 and mm-hmm. T3, something like that. Holy cow. Awful, awful, awful injury. I mean, you're lucky you're alive, and you're lucky you're not a quadriplegic, but here it is, you're left. Yeah, which is why I can actually, you know, warm up to the fact that the nerve damage might be uh, permanent because I am getting up, putting on my shoes, walking and dancing and 
And I that's right. That's a that's a blessing in yeah, itself. That is right. Well, first of all, the nerve damage is permanent. So that's I mean, it's two thousand nine. We're nowhere near two thousand nine. So the question is, what do you do about the symptoms? So, how much gabapentin are you on? Six hundred milligrams three times a day. Okay, so that's a good dose. Um, a few things. Let's talk about gabapentin. It's a anti-seizure drug. It can be very useful for nerve pain. You can go up to about 2,400 milligrams a day. So you're in 1,800 milligrams a day. You're not at the maximal dose of gabapentin. So you might decide to go up to 800 milligrams three times a day and see if that makes a difference. Or you can try an alternative drug, which is Lyrica, which is pregabalin, which is also a generic, a little bit different. Pregabalin, 150 milligrams three times a day. Uh, if you were my patient, what I would say is, first thing I would say, let's maximize the dose of gabapentin. See what that does. It's an every eight-hour drug. And I would say, do it by the clock. In other words, take it in the morning when you get up. You know, eight hours later, take, you know, when you go to sleep at night, take it, take it eight hours later in the morning and take it in the middle of the day and clock it. In other words, be really, really good making it an eight-hour drug so that you get a level. That's the first thing I would do because I'd, you're on the drug, I would, I would go up there. If you still have symptoms, which you may, then I would say, you know, I'd like to try the alternative drug of this, which is pregabalin, which is Lyrica, which is now a generic, and I would switch you immediately to 150 milligrams three times a day. I'd go from one to the other right away. Some will taper down, which is also a way of doing it, but I would go to the other drug that's within that. Now, you also Lyrica. take that Lyrica, L-Y- our uh, Lyrica, it's a Pfizer drug, but it's pregabalin, which once again, a little different than gabapentin, but some people do better on others. And I'll tell you why. The, the, when the pregabalin was put up to the FDA, uh, they do a measurement which, is, uh, which has to do whether or not a drug is going to be abused. And it has to do with how, how good people feel on the drug. It's sort of a strange thing because they want to know whether or not it's going to be a drug of abuse. And pregabalin reached that category. It is not a drug of abuse, but it's a drug that's also used in mood disorders in a small dose. So there are people who are on 50 milligrams twice a day for a mood disorder, and it works with pregabalin. So it's a, it's a different drug. If the, if the gabapentin doesn't work, go to pregabalin, number one. Number two, there's another drug that you're not on, duloxetine. Duloxetine is an antidepressant. Now, it's an antidepressant that works for chronic pain in people who are not depressed. And when that drug, which is made by Eli Lilly, and truth be told, I did drug research for many, many years when I was in full-time practice, and we tested pregabalin. We did it, full disclosure, paid by the drug companies. It was part of what I did in my regular practice. We also checked duloxetine, which is also now a generic. And duloxetine, 60 to 120 milligrams a day, can be used in chronic pain. So what I would do is I would stop the Flexeril, and I would try duloxetine instead because Flexeril is a muscle relaxer, but it's actually a tricyclic antidepressant. And I would try going to duloxetine and see if that would make a difference and do that. Or I would consider adding that. So I would do those two, those two switches. And I would experiment a little bit with these drugs because you're going to have this for the rest of your life, but you've got a little room to manipulate on the drugs that you're on. Um, what do you do for a living? I drive a truck long distance over the road, so. and um, the, the gabapentin that I was taking, mm-hmm. sometimes I wouldn't get my prescription out of time. And what I found out was, I, even though I couldn't tell that the gabapentin was making a difference, I felt it when I couldn't take it. When so, you couldn't take it, right. Exactly. So obviously I, uh, I realized that it has to... My body has to maintain a certain level. That's of right. It Every eight hours. To be effective. That's right. right. That's right. Every uh, eight uh, hours. So, right. so once again, increase the gabapentin eight hundred milligrams every eight hours by the clock. If that, if you want to experiment, if you want to experiment when it's a good time, switch to pregabalin. Talk to your doctor. One hundred and fifty milligrams every eight hours by the clock, and then if you're still having symptoms, consider adding duloxetine or switching it for the Flexeril and see what it does. So. That's exactly right. And it's, it's just, it's a, the, the timing couldn't have been better. I have a doctor's appointment today. Oh, cool. With, <laughs> oh, way to go, man. Care. Way to go. <laughs> you, you, can, you can cancel it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, actually, I mean, I, I can make it real easy for her. Look, I need this and I need that. You got Write it. So. And let me go home. You got right. it. 
Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 800-462-7413. You know, we have a lot of truck drivers who are our listeners on the road because truckers love to listen to good radio. Right. Okay. A voicemail now, Zorba, coming up from Spokane, Washington. I want to know if he knows or what he thinks about citrus bergamot as a cholesterol um, reducer. Thanks. Bye. I well, don't understand any of that. Yeah, well, that's good. That's because you're not a botanist. No, you know, okay. I mean, you know, or you were a botanist when you took botany in college, which you never took. You were asleep during that particular class. Okay. Well, it's an orange. It's a citrus fruit about the size of an orange, uh, which is now becoming much more popular, especially in the southern part of the U.S. Um, and basically, it's it's a fruit tree. It has flavonoids. It's got uh, a whole bunch of, you know, I mean, like a lot of citrus things, it's got vitamin C. Uh, so I think it's it doesn't lower cholesterol specifically, but I think it can be part of a good diet. And if you like the taste of it, once again, we don't have enough fruits and vegetables. We don't have enough fiber. We get fiber from the fruit that we eat. So yes. Now, does it lower cholesterol any more than an orange? I don't think it lowers cholesterol any more than an orange. But... I don't care much about cholesterol. I care about heart disease. And we know that eating more fruits and vegetables reduces your risk of heart disease and and stroke. So if you like it, eat it. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. And before the break, Zorba, let's do that segment where you get yelled at. (laughs) Thank you. This is Disagreeing (laughs) with the Doc. Disagreeing. Okay, Zorba, the following email came from a listener named Carolyn who writes, Hi, Dr. Z. On a recent show, a lady mentioned the need for having surgery on all ten of her fingers for an affliction I don't recall. She said her acupuncturist (laughs) said she didn't need surgery, but a gallbladder cleanse. She said that worked. You firmly declared the gallbladder doesn't have anything to do with the affliction. Please take that back and admit there are a gazillion things about anatomy that we don't yet understand Thank you. I'm not going to take that back. I don't think the gallbladder had anything to do with the affliction of her fingers or anything else. Now, we don't understand a lot about the body, but the gallbladder is a sac and it contains bile that we use in digestion. I'm sorry. I don't think it has. Well, actually, I'm not sorry. I don't think it has anything to do with her affliction. So I'm not going to take that back. But you know what? Thank you for that note. I really appreciate that. Keep them coming. That wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of empathy there. Yeah. No, no, not a lot of empathy. But, but, but that you know. Thank you for the opportunity. Or as my friend Nancy used to say, "Gotta love them." Do you think Zorba got something wrong on the show, but doesn't have the gall to oh. fess up? Oh, just post our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at wpr.org. More of your calls coming up, more of your emails, and we'll tackle another interesting healthy living topic. All coming up here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. The number is 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But Zorba, before our next call, eating late increases hunger, decreases calories burned, and changes 
fat tissue? Right. The question is whether or not eating later in the day makes you fatter. I mean, that's the long and the, and the short of it. 42% of the U.S. population right now suffers from obesity. I mean, that's a huge number. It was more like it was really in the 20s, back, you know, 20% range when I was a kid. And so the question is, eating late in the day doesn't make a difference. Now, a lot of people have thought for years, you know, I eat late in the day and so, and then I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's part of my obesity. And this study says maybe in Indeed, that's the case. So let's look at the study. So first of all, there were 16 people in the study. It was a study that, was t- that took place at Peter Brent Brigham Hospital. So it's a Harvard hospital. They brought people in. They were overweight. And they started laboratory protocols. And some people ate earlier in the day certain meals. And then other people ate later in the day. So you've got people eating earlier in the day, later in the day, not necessarily just before they went to sleep. They standardized their sleep-wake schedules. Once again, it's in the lab. Everyone goes to sleep at roughly the same time. And it's not an at-home situation, right? It's a lab. I mean, if you were in a lab, it's not going to be the same when you're at your house. But during that time, they were measuring things. They were looking at calories burned. They were looking at their metabolic rate. And they showed that people who ate later in the day were hungrier throughout the entire day the next day. They, it appeared that they had less appetite-regulating hormone. There are two hormones, leptin and ghrelin. So leptin and ghrelin, uh, the theory is that these actually, these hormones, internal hormones, push our desire to eat. And it turned out if you ate later in the day, you produced more of this hormone the next day, so you were actually hungrier the next day. And it also appeared that when you were metabolizing things in your body, it was more likely to go to fat. And once again, these are biochemical analyses. But uh, it's only one study. 16 patients doesn't mean a lot in certain ways. But it does show that maybe eating later in the day does make a difference. What do you, you eat? You have, a brec- you have breakfast every morning, right? Oh, sure. Of course. What's your biggest meal of the day? Probably dinner. Probably dinner. Late, late in yeah. the day. But you have a standardized what – ta- what time is late in the day to you? Oh, um, like six thirty, seven o'clock. See, six thirty, seven o'clock. So that might be for you late in the day, but you go to sleep at like ten o'clock, ten thirty. Yeah, maybe. A lot of people will eat at eight or nine o'clock, and they'll go to sleep at ten or ten thirty. So, in other words, if and you don't have a weight problem, so part of the issue with this study is that eating late in the day might actually increase your appetite the next day. So, I think there is a bottom line with this, along with some other. Does that research. make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it makes sense to a lot of people that are overweight. A lot of people that are overweight often have one large meal at the end of the day. They don't, a lot of people don't eat breakfast, don't eat lunch, and then they have a big meal later in the day. So it may be they're just eating a lot of calories. But I don't think we know how calories are metabolized. We do know if you're eating most of your calories earlier during the day at lunchtime that you're moving your body and your calories then go into your muscles. I mean, we do know that. But this whole issue of obesity and timing – I don't think we know everything. This particular study shows there may be difference in how you metabolize eating later in the day. So if you're overweight, you may want to eat earlier in the day. There's going to be no harm, and it may be a slam dunk. It may make a difference. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, let's see if we can help a listener in Buffalo, New York. Hi. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. How can Abs- we help? Absolutely. How that's, can we help? That's what we're here for. So my question here is uh, I have uh, really high cholesterol numbers. Mm-hmm. And my question for Dr. Zorba, my doctor said that I don't have to do anything. I'm still uh, very healthy. Uh-huh. So my question is, does the number really mean anything? Sure. Um, Good question. What should I do to lower the number or should I how high, is, how high is the number? Tell me about your cholesterol. Uh, what are your numbers? So the total number, so the number started to inch up mm-hmm. every year. Sure. And, uh, um, and my number for the most recent one is the total cholesterol is 269. Mm-hmm. 260. And how, how much is your LDL and HDL cholesterol? What okay, are those? so the HDL is really high too. It's mm-hmm. 92. Wow. And the and, LDL? Uh, 
LDL, the calculated mm-hmm. is 162, mm-hmm. and the, the non-HDL mm-hmm. is 177, mm-hmm. and the ratio is 2.9. So the ratio is still very good, right? right? Because you've got because you've got that high HDL. So how yes. old how old are you? 56. Do you have any a history of heart disease in your family? No. Okay. How old were your mom and dad when they passed? Uh, my mom passed away very young, mm-hmm. 60, and mm-hmm. my dad passed away uh, 70, probably 76. 76. What did they die from? What your mom die from and your dad? My dad, we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be, could be, uh, he had no health issue, but mm-hmm. he died suddenly, so it could be a heart problem. Prob- probably, yeah. That would be, that at least would be the most common. And yeah. your mom? And the- my mom had a uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and she's been having that for a long time. And mm-hmm. then she eventually had a lung infection and then passed away okay. because of that. Okay. Yeah. And how about any issue on your grandparents? I'm trying to look at your do, any history of long life in your family. Yes, my uh, mother's side, mm-hmm. my grandma lived up to 80-some years old. Mm-hmm. And my father's side, both uh, my grandmother mm-hmm. lived up to 80-some, my grandpa mm-hmm. lived up to 90-some. Ten ninety. Okay, so you've got so back two generations, not your parents. You've got some longevity. Okay, so you've got a very interesting case here. So first of all, your HDL is super high. That gives you a lot of street cred. In other words, that's very very protective. But if your LDL inches up to about one hundred and seventy, you're not you're not one hundred sixty two. But if your LDL is one hundred and seventy, the recommendation is that you should be on a statin, and it's been inching up. So you're kind of right on the borderline of whether you should be on a statin such as a lovastatin or a simvastatin or a torvastatin. Uh, I mean, you're you're on the borderline of doing that. Well, that's where then you look at the other things that are going on in your life. Look at family history. So your dad died suddenly, probably most likely of a cardiovascular event. That's just the most, most likely thing you end up dying from. Um, do you smoke cigarettes? No. No? Uh, how much alcohol do you drink uh, on a daily uh, basis? There's no daily basis, so I don't. I don't drink. Uh, no every daily day. basis. Uh, how's yeah. your How's your weight? Are you Are you at the right weight? Are you overweight? Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I'm actually probably on the light side. On the uh, light side. Okay, so you're yeah. not overweight. Do you exercise on a regular basis? Uh, I tried. Um, uh-huh. I tried okay. to go to gym twice uh-huh. a week. Yes, you go to gym. So you've got all of these other risk factors that reduce your risk of a heart attack and stroke. So you are right on the border. So you are, for some people, they would say, why don't you take a statin-lowering drug to lower that LDL or bad cholesterol? And then other doctors would say, I don't really think you need that statin to be on a lowering cholesterol. And you're right on that 50-50 thing. So um, what would I do if you were my patient? Because your dad died in his 70s suddenly, and we're going to make an assumption that it was heart disease. We're just going to make an assumption. I would say, what's the downside of taking, for instance, 10 to 20 milligrams of Lipitor, and that's a, which is a generic, very inexpensive. And if you're my patient, I would say, look, you've got, some, you've got a first-degree relative, your dad. He died in his 70s. You've got a really good HDL cholesterol. But even though you don't have people who often have a high cholesterol in the 90s, they often have really older people in their family that live until their 90s. In other words, you have you have grandparents who lived into their 80s, but in this day and age, living into your 90s would be the issue. So if you were my patient, I would put you on 10 or 20 milligrams of Lipitor to get that LDL down. Just because you're on the border, I would err on. But I would also say, I don't have a strong opinion on this, but if it were me, I would do it. Okay. Sounds like you've got a good doctor, too, who says they're not really anxious to put you on something. That does sound like that is good advice. Keep going to them. Get it checked on a regular basis. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Dr. Zopa. Thank you so much. Thanks. We appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. 1-800-462-7413. Okay, Zorba, let's... Crack open the Zorba Pastor on Your Health inbox and take a few listener emails. The first question came from a Chicago listener named Priya, who writes, 
I've tried everything doctors tell me to do for restless leg syndrome, and it's still the worst experience of my life. I will try anything. I already take gabapentin, have a high ferritin level, and meditate. Thank you so much. I love your show and listen every week. Please keep doing what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Restless legs can be very difficult. Gabapentin is one drug that's used, but the anti, she has not tried the drugs that are used for Parkinson's disease, such as Requip. So if you haven't tried those drugs, try those drugs and see if they work. And then, of course, you can go to the old British cure, warm milk. <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you, Tom? I had set you I off. Guess. <laughs> Finally, Zorba, here's a question from Jody in Springfield, Missouri. Dr. Zorba, I've heard you say to take two Aleve tabs twice daily to reduce inflammation. How long is it safe to do this? And does efficacy decrease over time. Well, efficacy doesn't necessarily decrease. It just may not work as well because you might have arthritis and it gets worse. Kind of depends on your body. If you're older, you want to take it for a less amount of time because you run more risk because your body is older and you can have trouble. Uh, trouble. You know, it, it doesn't cause kidney problems, but if you're not eliminating it well, that can be an issue. Um, my recommendation is always take it as long as you need it. And some people need it every single day. But the best way, I used to put people on it twice a day forever. Now I say, use it as long as you need it and then take a trial off it and see whether or not you need it. So the intermittent use is actually a better way to use it for most people. Do you have a healthy living question for the show? I'll leave it to Zorba <laughs> to give his expert answer. Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. is our number. 1-800-462-7413. Now, let's hear a voicemail from a listener in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I wanted to ask a question for my other caregiver. She wants to know what herbal medicine is good for arthritis. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, there's a lot of different herbal medicines that have never been scientifically tested. doesn't mean they don't work. It just means nobody has gone through the bother and the time to do double-blind placebo-controlled trials and different herbal medicines. So one of the recommendations I say is if you're trying different herbal treatments, I like ConsumerLab.com. There are a they're a pay-as-you-go site. You've got to actually pay money to go into them. But they look, if you do a search for herbal medicine and arthritis, they not only give you good recommendations, but they also test the different herbal medicines and tell you whether or not the herbal medicine is in there. And the reason why I mention that is some herbal medicine will say on the label – that the herb is in there, but it doesn't have much in there because it's not regulated by the feds. So the quality control is very, very poor. So my recommendation is go to ConsumerLab.com. Once again, I don't get any money from it at all, but I think the guy does a dynamite job. ConsumerLab.com, look up herbal medicine for arthritis, and then pick a brand that he says has the herb in it and see if it works. Now, how do you know if it works? Take it for a few weeks, stop it for a few weeks. Take it for a few weeks. Stop it for a few weeks. Do it three times. And if every time you take it, you feel better, hey, that drug works for you. You've got to get rid of the placebo effect. The placebo effect is if you think it's going to work, it's going to work. But if you repeat it a few times, that effect depreciates. Before we uh, head out, Zorba, let's answer some listener questions from the Zorba Pastor on Your Health Facebook page. This is called Facebook Feedback. Facebook feedback. First up, Zorba, Beverly in Green Bay, Wisconsin writes, I recently had a heart calcium score done and it was 68.4. A good friend of mine is a nutritionist and she recommended I take D3 plus K2 along with magnesium. She explained that the addition of K2 
helps the body absorb calcium and sends it to the bones rather than the heart. I have osteopenia. Can you tell me more about this vitamin and how important it is to our health? Well, first of all, I don't think it's going to take the calcium. The calcium score is a measure of how much calcium is basically in your arteries. And it's a way sometimes of determining whether you need to be on a calcium, uh, rather a cholesterol-lowering drug such as atorvastatin. Taking those vitamins is not going to remove the calcium that's in the arteries at all. And in fact, it's not as if there's a ton of calcium in the arteries. That's really a marker for whether or not you have heart disease. So I don't think it's going to do anything at all. Now, taking vitamin D3, 2,000 units, I think it's a good idea. Magnesium, it's not going to hurt you. It may help you. K2, I assume they're talking about some vitamin K. I'm not exactly sure what that is. But it's not going to remove the calcium. You do a calcium score five years later it's going to be the same or greater. It does not ever leave the arteries. And finally, Lori in Buffalo, New York asks, my husband is suffering from insomnia. He's taking two milligrams of melatonin every night without much help. Can you recommend anything else? Well, a lot of things. First of all, increase it to like 8 to 10 milligrams and see if that works. If not, talk to your doctor about maybe taking something such as gabapentin at bedtime. Gabapentin is a, uh, a, is a drug that's used in chronic pain. Side effect is sleepiness. Safe for many people to take and often that will help sleep. But many issues with insomnia, in any case... Increase that melatonin, see if that works, and then go to our website because we're going to put good sleep hygiene on the Zorba Pastor website. That's zorbapastor.org, and we'll put sleep hygiene on there. That can also help people if you follow that, get to sleep and stay asleep. Thanks for the Facebook questions. And, of course, our listeners can always send us an old-fashioned email at zorba at wpr.org. Did you ever think that we would say old-fashioned email? <laughs> no, I never did. TikTok. We'll see you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Tom. If you missed anything during the show or just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastry.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime to leave us your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doctor. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Yay! Uh, you didn't ra- do that for Carl. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Carl didn't get it today. Brad did. <laughs> Yay for Carl. <laughs> Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. <laughs> Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.